1: The Economist.
0: From The Economist in London, this is Money Talks, a weekly conversation around themes in the worlds of business, finance and economics. I'm Stan Peniel, the banking editor. In the autumn of 2008, the financial world is grappling with the near collapse of the global banking system. So few people noticed a paper by a pseudonymous author introducing a new form of peer-to-peer cash – Bitcoin blended clever cryptography with a novel approach to decentralised record-keeping, which, among other things, prevented people from trying to spend it twice. The currency has had its up and downs, but the technology behind it, which we dubbed the trust machine on the cover of this week's edition, is potentially revolutionary. For the first time, two people who don't know each other can interact without the need for a trusted third party. Apostles of the blockchain, as it is called, think of it as the internet of money, and imagine a world where banks, governments, and far more besides are going to get swept away. Ludwig Siegele, the author of our briefing on blockchain, joins us today, as well as Edward Lucas, a senior editor here and author of Cyberphobia on the Future of the Internet. Ludwig, you call blockchain a machine for creating trust. How does it do that? So you have to see on on the Internet,
1: I mean, there's this famous saying, nobody knows you're a dog. So on the Internet, you can't trust people. You don't know who is at the other end, who receives your email, who has sent the email. So it's not an environment where you have a lot of trust. So Satoshi Nakamoto, the inventor of uh, Bitcoin, he created a system to create that trust. Uh, So he devised a way how people on the Internet who normally don't trust each other can deal with each other, can send each other money, Bitcoin, Bitcoin and otherwise kind of identify who owns what.
0: So tangibly, the blockchain is a giant ledger, right, that keeps track of who owns which Bitcoin. It's similar to a bank, but a key difference here is that the entire community is the bank. Exactly.
1: So uh, imagine kind of a conventional payment system. So I send you money over the wire. In order for that to work, you need a trusted third party. You need a bank that takes care or makes sure that the money or the value I send to you gets from A to B. And so what Satoshi Nakamoto did, he created the system that does away with this central trusted authority. And the way he does it is the blockchain. So it's basically a ledger that gets updated regularly, that has the entire payment history of all bitcoins in circulation, that exists not on one computer, but many computers. And so anybody can look up whether when I send you money, when Alice sends money to Bob, whether Alice actually has
2: the money, has the right to send you money. I think this is the most important thing, really, since we did a cover introducing our readers to the internet sometime in the early 90s. The blockchain Started off as a way of creating electronic money, and that's what Bitcoin is, is perhaps the best known example of it. But it's far more important than that because it allows. Small numbers or large numbers of people to get together to do simple things or to do complicated things, all on the basis of their computers doing these sums that underlie the blockchain, and that means it's much harder for any outsider to control it. It's based on the fact that all the people who use the technology are using the same software, and that's that's I think what makes it so important.
1: Yeah, that that exactly. That's the beauty of the thing. So so Nakamoto has created something to send out money, Bitcoin but you can use this platform to do other things. You can, for example bake-in information so you can use it to notarize uh, certain things. You can uh, use it to make a a land registry tamper-proof. You can do all kinds of things uh, using features of the blockchain. So that's why it is like the
2: Internet. It is an open platform. People can build other applications on top of. I think ever since civilization started, it was based on the idea of a very important person writing things down in a big book. We had that even before we had books. We had things written on clay tablets. And this is the way in which the Internet gets around that idea of having a central registry, a central ledger.
0: The revolutionary potential looks very clear. It's an incredibly elegant solution to a problem that's existed for a long time. Uh, Sometimes people dismiss uh, blockchain and Bitcoin as a solution in search of a problem. And it is true that for all the potential Bitcoin, which which isn't really used by a very large percentage of the population, uh, blockchains don't have applications yet, do they?
1: If you look, I mean, the the internet 20 years ago, before somebody came up with uh, the web browser, was also an application or a network or platform for a minority. So you have to give these things time. It's very early days. But you can see that there's a growing ecosystem around bitcoins. And it's not just kind of, applications on top of the blockchain, Bitcoin's blockchain, but people are kind of experimenting with different type of so-called
0: distributed ledgers. So you're saying I'm the guy who in 1994 was saying the internet, it looks very useful, but it's never going to take off, is it?
1: But I mean, you're trying to inject skepticism here, and I think that that's true. I mean, if all the ideas or all the the services and, and applications people are thinking of, if that's kind of put on Bitcoin's blockchain, the blockchain will probably meltdown. I mean, it has limits, it can scale, it has technical issues, it uses a lot of energy. But I think what's important is that for the first time people kind of see that you can actually share a ledger Uh, you can share a database among people and and the people who use it or the the entities who use it can collectively update it for the first time we've seen that it can be applied and now kind of the idea is migrating into other industries so I think the banking industry for example is very interested in in using not the blockchain because they don't touch Bitcoin that's that's too too risky but to use that type of technology to
0: rationalize and streamline uh, their IT systems which are pretty much a mess yeah I mean my, my skepticism isn't around the potential of blockchain. I, I completely accept it. It's more that the stuff that we have seen as early applications of the blockchain are all that useful. For example, notarizing documents. In my mind, there isn't a giant problem in our society about notarizing documents. Do we really want to reinvent the wheel in order to, to notarize documents? Uh, I see
1: where you're coming from. And it's true in, in rich countries, uh, the problem the blockchain is trying to solve have been solved by trusted third parties. But that, for example, isn't the case in poor countries. There is a need kind of to create trust in, in, in a way which doesn't uh, demand having very well-developed
2: institutions, bureaucracies. Yeah. I, I used to live in, in Russia where people would regularly find that some mafia type was turning up at their country house saying, this belongs to now." And they'd have papers to prove it. You have corporate raiding in Russia. is about people turning up and saying, I own your company. I've got the stamp. I've got the seal. I've got the documents. This is now my company. Go away. With the blockchain, that can't happen because you can't. It's not just a matter of changing one thing. You'd have to change everybody else's entry as well. Now, obviously, I don't think this will get rid of crime or theft or some criminals will find other ways of, of doing things. But it does Hugely improve poor people's access to really reliable ownership title, and that's just one part of it. I think the other thing which we might want to get onto is the way in which the blockchain allows sort of software entities to live on the internet. So you could imagine, for example, not just a self-driving but a self-owning car, where it has an algorithm which charges money for use of it, it pays for its its fuel and for its repair. And this is going to be, require a huge rethink of the way we, at the moment, um, regard machines as sort of inanimate objects and that you know, behind everything there's a human o- owner. With the blockchain, you could have an entity which is part of a society engaged in commerce and doesn't have a human owner.
0: Yeah, and these are the, the smart contracts, Ludwig. Uh, they get talked about a lot. W- when are we going to start seeing real applications of them?
1: Uh, in a way, we already have them. Somebody built kind of a, a Kickstarter or Indiegogo Type, a crowdfunding application on top of the blockchain, and you pr- uh, and I. Perhaps I should first ex- explain what, what smart contracts are. So these are automated business rules, so they execute themselves. So in that case, it's fundraising. So you you say give me money for a project, the software or the the smart contract only releases the money or allows you to use that money once enough money has been raised, once you've reached kind of your threshold for this project. And so that's an example for smart contracts. But you can imagine much more complicated rules. Like, for example, okay, if a company reaches a certain kind of level of profit, then
0: part of that profit gets dispersed to shareholders. And Uh, to be clear, I mean, these are contracts that, that could be executed by trusted third parties. But here... The whole point is that the trusted third party Disappears because uh, the blockchain or th- this decentralized entity is-, is so trustworthy.
1: Yes, at least for some routine uh, uh, transactions. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that entire companies could be run uh, by smart contracts. Even though there are people saying this. I mean, they call those decentralized autonomous organizations that are basically companies that live on the blockchain that are a bundle of smart contracts which uh, determine uh, how, how that uh, virtual entity behaves. And that's where we get the idea of smart cars. That's what Edward just said is that you could program a car, a self-driving car, to behave in a certain way, have uh, inanimate objects kind of control themselves.
0: Edward, there seems to be some confusion over what the blockchain is. Some people interpret it as being purely Bitcoin's blockchain, so the blockchain that keeps Bitcoin running and other things can be added onto it. And other people think blockchains are a generic thing and anybody can create one, a sort of decentralized ledger.
2: Well, I think the the problem for people trying to explain the blockchain is that everybody's heard of Bitcoin, but Bitcoin isn't a great example. So the one thing that people have heard of is not necessarily the best advertisement. And Bitcoin is is an electronic money which you can mine on a computer. You can run your computer. We have one here at The Economist. And if we let it run long enough, it would solve enough complicated sums that it would then have produced a Bitcoin. And that would be like a kind of electronic banknote, which would then carry its transaction history all through its life. And And one of the
0: beautiful things is that solving the electronic sums is the thing that's necessary to keep the whole system running.
2: Exactly. So th- this trust is all based on lots of computers working on these complicated sums. And when one of the computers gets it right, the other computers can all say, yes, that's the right answer. And Bitcoin has some disadvantages, which include the fact that it consumes a huge amount of power. So the computers all over the world working on this, basically just burning up energy. So people say that's a disadvantage. The money has been used for nefarious purposes. So it has an association of money laundering and drug dealing and so on. And if you're a victim of cybercrime and they're trying to extort money from you, they'll probably demand you pay the ransom to have your computer decrypted and restored to you and will be payable in Bitcoin. So it has a slightly dodgy... It used to
0: be unmarked dollar bills and now it's Bitcoin.
2: There could be much better ways of using blockchain technology. This is, as it were, this is not even the model. T4. This is one of the very first internal combustion engines, and we've got a long way to go before we get to something that would be fulfilling the whole potential of this. Hmm.
1: So I think, again, it's the idea. The seed is there, there is an example, and I think it will evolve from there, and we will see all kinds of different blockchains or distributed ledgers. But there is an argument there between kind of the, the blockchain fraction and the people say it's it's all about Bitcoin. And, and the people who say it's all about Bitcoin say that you need that currency in order to make the blockchain work. You need the incentives. Only if you pay the miners or there's a reward will they provide kind of the anonymous computing power.
0: But you also so need to scale, right? Because there is this theoretical weakness that somebody could control 51% of the network and, and therefore authenticate transactions which which shouldn't be authenticated. That, that,
1: that's part of the story. So, so what Bitcoin people say, they, if you take Bitcoin away, the blockchain becomes basically a boring database. And in a way they write. So there's a difference between kind of uh, this really ledger uh, or private ones or private blockchains banks want to use. So the, the, the there's got to be an
2: incentive. If, if your computer is going to be running away 24 hours a day solving complicated sums and con- consuming electricity and being part of the blockchain, what's in it for you? And if the answer is every now and again, you get a Bitcoin, which is worth you know, several hundred dollars, well, that's an incentive. That's worth it. Um, if it's simply keeping the land registry of Ruritania, um up to date, then it's a bit more difficult. And I think there are ways around that. You can uh, say uh, – We'll run the blockchain on lots and lots of public computers, for example. That would already it would still be cheaper and better than running it as a, as a central registry. But Ludwig's absolutely right. You, nothing comes free, and the blockchain isn't free. It consumes energy, and, there's going, and someone's going to have to pay for that.
1: So what you probably will see is kind of all kinds of blockchains, uh, kind of constellations of blockchains of which the Bitcoin blockchain will be an important one. It may be perhaps even the, the blockchain of last resort, kind of a central bank uh, a blockchain where kind of if I really need some trust, I can plug into that blockchain. If I need less of a trust or if I have a, a, a vetted set of computers participating in a, in a different ledger, uh, then I perhaps don't need that trust. So it's, it's, we are at the beginning and I think it, it's going to be a bit like double entry bookkeeping. So double entry bookkeeping invented like 700 years ago in, in northern Italy by these merchants uh, with businesses that became more and more complex. So they needed some kind of way to keep books. And that involved into kind of what, what some people say is the basis of capitalism. You needed some mechanism, some accounting technique to calculate profits, losses, uh, and all of that. And that, without that, we wouldn't have the company as we know it. So I think in a few hundred years, perhaps, we'll see what the, what the blockchain will, will spawn.
0: I agree with that analogy with double entry bookkeeping. Uh, Like double entry bookkeeping, blockchain is quite complicated to get your head around, but once you do, you realize how incredibly elegant it is. Anyway, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks, Ludwig Siegler. Thanks, Edward Lucas. You can read our leader and briefing on blockchain in this week's issue of The Economist. And as always, you can find other stories on finance, economics, and business at economist.com. In London, this is The Economist.